0: Actually, when Dave asked me to to take one of these uh, sermons, and I, I was speechless. Uh, well, it was actually textless because uh, it was actually a good thing because <laughs> it, a, it took me so long to respond that if it had been face-to-face, I don't know what I would have said. <laughs> but uh, some of you might know I'm hoping to do Cornhill next year. It's a training course, two days, oh, uh, two years, that's two days a week, part-time. And... I want to see if that works for me uh, you know my shifts and uh, so i was going to have a meeting with the director of Cornhill, and the tagline of the course is pursuing excellence and handling god's word and when i actually attended the, the summer school last year for a week and it really just wet my appetite to do it so i went to meet with this guy uh, uh, just to see logistics financials but i came out of the meeting and there's a text message how do you fancy? Uh, you know, pre- how do you feel about preaching a sermon in this series? And uh, uh, six hours and twenty minutes—I have the timestamp. That's how long it took me to reply. So, <laughs> but you know, during that meeting, actually, the guy Casement, hes the director of the course—he said to me, you know, uh, you know, why do you want to do this? And I, I told him I have no ministry capacity. I've have, I have no official, uh, you know, role, but. I just wanted to be able to answer the, what's the, the weird and wonderful questions of inquisitive daughters, uh, but I wasn't made expecting to be behind here looking out at you so soon, so uh, bear with me, uh, and because I haven't done the course yet, uh, <laughs> but Dave says he's going to make some notes and give me some pointers and help me to, uh, you know, create, criti- what's a constructive criticism, <laughs> but uh I'm trusting God tonight to renew your minds, not you know, through his word, not through my words. And, you know, I out, when I found out what, it, what the passage that we're going to be looking at, uh, and I first read through it, I, I sort of thought, all right, here we've got uh, Paul's going to send Timothy. Timothy's like a son to him. Timothy's really kind and he'll care for the Philippians. Okay, Epaphroditus misses the church. I was sick, but now he's coming back. And I was like, okay, Dave, right. I know you said no hard doctrines, no complex theology, you know, something simple. What am I going to do with this? And <laughs> I, really, I was like, oh, <laughs> where am I? Where am I? But thankfully, probably sensing my trepidation, he wrote a, a set of blog posts on how to prepare a sermon. And the first one was the most profound, actually. It was uh, read the passage and pray. And, and that... Now, as I read through this passage and, and the whole book and it's a number of times and a number of translations, it sort of became clear and, and uh, as I prayed through it, you know it was like, uh, the camera lens it kind of turned and just focused, and it sort of got my uh, my thinking uh, bringing sharp relief you know so uh, hopefully uh, we can we can uh, get a bit of uh, clarity through this and, and see what, what, what's going on here you know Dave has been taking us through Philippians in the pursuit of joy and he has described our pursuit as the roots of a tree you know uh, sending out tendrils search for nutrients and life-giving water and he's described it as a, a ship you know putting down multiple anchors to, to you know secure the ship in the, in the ocean so that it's not adrift. And he's also described it as a, you know, mining, putting down multiple shafts to, you know, in search of precious metals and, and gemstones. And I want to continue along that vein. That was a, a mine pun, you know. Uh, and, give, and give you another shaft to dig, another anchor to drop, and another root in our uh, pursuit of joy. Uh, and the whole letter, in fact, for me, As a former tree surgeon, it reminds me of a mighty oak. An oak tree, the root system actually has this central taproot. It's not like, you know, just... It's a central taproot and it drills down deep and then the other roots come off it. And uh, a bit of a tree geek, but you know, no matter what's going on on the surface, winter, spring, summer, autumn, it, it, that, that root secures the tree into the ground, has that deep access to water and nutrients. And the taproot. root that Paul is communicating in this epistle is that it's that of Jesus. You know, you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what keeps Paul going throughout everything. He, he's in prison, and yet deep down, he, he can rejoice. The taproot root of the gospel uh, is, which is, it's this that though we cannot... Uh, make ourselves right with God through anything we do uh, and by any effort on our part and though we cannot fulfil the law Jesus has done it uh, his birth, life, death resurrection provides our position as children of God uh, and for those that believe Christ has justified them before the Father and made us his friends and we were once enemies of God it's amazing it's <laughs> um, if this, if this truth that ho- Paul holds on to so he can rejoice in all the circumstances that he uh, goes through. And the tree, that oak, it might be us as Christians, weathered by the seasons, uh, affected by the, the autumn of sadness, depression, bitten by the winter of suffering, uh, parched by the high, you know, high temperatures and heat of summer, or even you know refreshed by the blessing of the, the rains in spring. But no matter what goes on above the surface, deep down we can have a joy in the gospel. Uh, and some, some Christians may put pressure on themselves to, to have that sort of you know, that outward experience of, of happy, clappy, smiley Christians, you know, and, and yet inside they're, they're weak and they're tired and uh, they're anxious and they feel guilty and maybe even numb. But Paul in, the, in this epistle, he flips it all around on his head, you know, the whole range of emotions should be on the surface, can be on it, it, It's there on the surface, but that root that goes down, uh, of that taproot of joy in the gospel, uh, it can steady us through all the weathers. But in this passage that they've read, I want to help us send some roots out, root tender, in the pursuit of joy, and I want to suggest that we can find three, uh, joy in three ways in a, through th- this section. We can find joy in the testimony of believers. We can find joy in the close bonds formed in gospel community. And we can find joy in the concern for and the ministry to other Christians. If we take the first point, we can find joy in the testimony of believers. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, someone giving their testimony um, uh, where they share the amazing events leading up to their belief in Jesus. And some of these stories can be amazing transformations, can be uh, encouraging and uh, exciting stories, but it might just not be the norm. Uh, and what actually Paul is talking about when he's talking about his tes- t- the testimony of believers, he's, he's talking about uh, the news. He wants to be cheered by the news, as it says in verse 19. He wants to hear how they're continuing on in their faith, of how God is continuing the good work that he started in them. But, you know, that inevitability Dave was talking about. Um, uh, that he will continue to, to fuf, you know, fulfill that good work that he started. And Dave also shared with us 2 Corinthians three eighteen 18, uh, that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, uh, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And Paul knows of this inevitability and eagerly awaits the news of the church of Philippi because hearing about this process and their progress is a source of joy for him. Um, similarly, we should find joy and spiritual growth, and uh, a continuing faith in our brothers and sisters here. Uh, and here at Foundation, we can eagerly look to each other's lives and the faith that is being produced, and the faith that we have in Jesus, to encourage us that God's promise of continuing that good work is actually true. Uh, and not just here, but uh, you know, out there, we should look in to other churches t- uh, uh, and rejoicing at what God's doing in their lives and you know we're part of that universal church and we certainly can't meet everybody's needs Um, you know not every church can satisfy everybody and in fact even in in tastes and people like the the format you know there's different churches and that diversity is good but when we hear of God at work in another church down the road uh, that should bring us joy you know we shouldn't be going oh what about you know What's happening down there? And it should increase our faith to believe God's promises. And it's almost like a warning, yeah. Maybe it's just firemen, but you know, it's our culture. It seems to be that uh, you know you get a you get a new phone, it's like a green eyed monster. Somebody gets a new phone, you go, uh, "What many minutes have you got in your tariff? Or what's your data allowance? How many gigabytes? Is it sixty-four? One hundred twenty-eight gigabyte? And you're not asking to go, "Oh, nice," you know. You're going, oh, "Is their phone?" Is it, is it better than mine? I might have to change mine. You know, and actually recently there's been a spate of new cars bought in, on the fire station. Uh, not because we've got a pay raise, but one guy found a really amazing deal, on you know, a car leasing deal. And that, and oh, I like that, I like that. So somebody else went and got another one. And then uh, there must be, you know, 10, 12, across, across 60 guys on, on a fire station. That's quite a lot of uh, new cars. But firemen, as the Scots say, uh, can I see green cheese? <laughs> but uh, somebody else got something and they thought, I should have that. But let's not be like that when we're be- with other believers. Let's rejoice uh, in their blessings. Uh, let's find joy at God's work in them. Let's you know, take joy in the testimony of believers. Another way we can find joy is through the close bonds formed in the gospel community. If we look here, Paul says, verse 22, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. This shows us the father-son relationship between Paul and Timothy. And Paul says in, uh, there in verse 20, I have no one like him. And this uh, Greek word here is asipsicus, meaning kindred spirit, like-minded or equal in soul. So that bond, it's tight. It's been, uh, it's been strengthened by trials that they went through together and things that they've seen and they've done together. And yet it was forged firstly by the gospel. And how do we have these father-son or mother-daughter bonds with each other? Well, as I said, Paul describes Timothy as an equal in soul, as a son in the gospel. As we relate to our brothers and sisters here uh, and our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, out, you know, outside this church there should be those who we're guided by you know with a, like a parent to learn from and, and then there should be those who we take under our wing and, and give them guidance in the faith but if, it might not be as clear cut as that you know, in, in a certain relationship in different circumstances it might be one helping the other and then a role reversal for a different situation but just doing Life together in close bonds like this. It allows uh, as Proverbs twenty twenty seven seventeen says, "Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." Um, Paul also calls Epaphroditus his brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and whilst in one way these are words of commendation, you know, f- for the bearer of this letter, that would have been the the the, the sort of common practice at the time uh, it it's actually it, it's all these terms speak of that camaraderie you know of being uh, belonging and belonging to a group and, and with one mission i know it might not seem as close as father-son relationship but uh, these three uh, relationships fellow worker brother and fellow soldier are all examples of when you would have that other person's back and you know, quite literally in the case of a soldier, you know, you definitely have their back. And we form bonds like this, like brothers, like workers, like soldiers. And it brings us joy to know that other people have our backs and we have their backs. Paul was, he was close to Epaphroditus. We can see this in verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus was very ill, but but praise God, you know, he allowed him to recover. And Paul was spared a sorrow that would have taken joy from him. See, in Paul expressing that he would have sorrow upon sorrow if Epaphroditus had died, we can see they rejoiced uh, at God's mercy on his dear brother. And this, to me, it raised a question. You know, who's God's mercy for? You know, was it for Epaphroditus or was it for Paul? Uh, You know, is God's mercy for those in suffering or is it for those close and connected to the sufferer? Well, you know, in God's providence, there may be situations where the sick person is healed for that person's faith or maybe healed for the faith of others. But we can see, verse 26, uh, that... Uh, Epaphroditus, he's been longing for the church in Philippi, and uh, it's this community, you know, that he, he longs for, you know, and uh, that uh, that the distress that you know that were that Paul had, and and he has the the, the this mercy it 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 uh, helped them, you know, it's, it's it's basically when God when God. It heals, Epaphroditus. You know, it's for His glory, and uh, the church uh, in Philippi and Paul can be, you know, can can just exalt God and glorify God for that. And we can do that, you know, uh, either way. You know, uh, solo deo gloria. You know, God must be given the glory. And actually, Paul does this here by magnifying God's greatness and uh, in, in His mercy. And you know that 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 longing that that Epaphroditus has for his church because because of his, his his illness you know we we can the uh we can see that it's a special it's a special bond there as well you know so we'll look at that a bit a bit more in the uh, uh, in, a, in a minute uh, uh the other thing is that uh you, you've got a church. Is it's not it's not about meeting with your mates. It's not about peer group. It's not about a clique. Uh, and you know he longed for that church community. And it, it was a, a whole diverse group of people. And we, if if we all had the same hobbies and interests. Uh, and we all supported the same football team. Or we all worked the same job. All had the same sense of humour. Uh, uh, it might seem good, but that's not. That's really just the people that you would pick as your friends. Whereas God has picked this group here. He's put us together, and you know, you know, we have individual bonds within that. As you see that with Paul, is with Timothy and as a father and a son, and. Individual bonds as a brother and a worker and a, but as a group, you know we've been bonded together, and it's a bit like a, a wildflower meadow. That's why God puts diverse group. You've got different. Uh, I seem like a real nature nerd tonight. <laughs> trees and flowers. Uh, you've got the different shapes and colours, heights and. Even life cycles of different flowers and it adds a real depth to that scene where if you have a one field just full of one flowers after that time of bloom you know it just becomes the, the it just around it just becomes as green as the grass around it and it just looks the same um, and, and the very fact that all sorts of people are found in the church and forming these close bonds and even though they might have not have naturally gravitated toward each other, um, the people outside the church, you know, those looking in, they notice and it puzzles them. Uh, and it confuses them with such an eclectic mix of people here. Uh, you know, it, it, the characters have this bond of love for each other. And John 13, verse 35 says, we'll go from 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this is the depth and the diversity in that wild meadow. You know. It's, and it's that depth that the, the, and diversity that, that community sees, you know, and that bond. And here, you know, when John... That love, it's in the working of this love that you know, it brings me to the, that third tendril that we're sending out. We can find joy in the concern for and the ministry to other Christians. And that this, this uh, point is the most pragmatic and by nature the longest <laughs> uh, of the three points. Uh, it gives us actions to do, practical things. Uh, but sometimes when we see practical examples in God's Word, that, that pragmatism we interpret as a principle, and then the, the principle becomes a new law. And I, I don't want to be preaching some hybridized version of the law and gospel. gospel. Uh, uh, I've heard it said. I don't want to lay uh, responsibilities on you, rather than a responsibility, I want you to see it as an ability to respond. Uh, it's a reaction to the grace and love that we've received. And, uh, that we've been shown by God, rather than an action we undertake out of a sense of duty to make, like us, feel doing, make us feel like we're doing well. So as we look at how we can find joy in this concern for one another, remember, it's part of that inevitability that, that God's working us as we worship together, as we remind each other of God's grace and encourage each other's faith. And these things happen naturally as a result of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. In fact, here in uh, where it says of Timothy in, in verse 20, yeah, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This genuine is Greek. Is a Greek verb, uh, naisios, meaning real and natural. Uh, it's a reflection of Timothy's nature, uh, and it's it's his new nature in Jesus. Um, and it has been commented this this uh, naisios speaks of a birthright, you know, an inherited quality. And of course, we've already seen that Paul has. Uh, his father's son, and he has a, a spiritual parent that he's inherited uh, a good example from, and he's, he's, he's learnt to to live in this manner. Uh, Philippians 2, we've already seen in the previous weeks that Christ's example to us in humility. Uh, it's And we should strive to have that same mind as Christ. And Philippians 3, if I can do a spoiler alert, uh, 3.17. Uh, brothers, uh, you know, actually... The whole letter was designed to be read in one go, so I I don't mind giving you a spoiler. (laughs) Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul calls the Philippians to join in this imitation, to have the same mind, a similar spirit, and back to that that equal in soul. Uh, And that's why we meet together. That's why... Singing, we singing the gospel truths this evening. Uh, we've heard the good news read, and hopefully, somewhat explained this evening. Uh, hopefully, it can be clear enough for you. The, then, you know, through all this, we can be of the same mind, uh, and we can we have a mind that is renewed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Paul hopes to say Timothy, for this benefit, you know. Uh, for I have no one like him who will be generally concerned for your welfare. For they seek, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And I can't help but ask, you know, why is the seeking the interests of Jesus Christ a true concern for the welfare of those in the church? You see, we can and we definitely should be concerned for people's physical welfare. Uh, God has communicated in his word how he feels about the poor orphans and the widows. In fact, in our call to worship tonight and in, in our, the scripture uh, through our prayer, we see his, his feelings about uh, the fatherless and the widows. And our faith produces works that respond to the needs of both those within our church and the world at large. But we must remember that this life is a vapor. You know, it's a, it's a blink in time. And if we're really thinking about people's welfare, we're talking about their eternal destiny. And, and therefore, you know, the proclamation of the gospel and making disciples is, is of first importance. And why wouldn't we share that taproot of the gospel that we've been talking about, you know, that we have in Jesus? Uh, but that's not to say that we leave the practical things out. In fact, Paul gives great honor to Epaphroditus here um, for risking his life to serve him. Um, uh, verse 30 for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This lack in a Philippian service, it may have been financial, may have been uh, a physical help, or even just spiritual encouragement, but he was sent out as a messenger and a minister for Paul's need, and he risked his life to do so. And Again, this is not a principle. You, know, you must risk your life for, you know, to, for to help those in God's work, but it does give us an example of how we can bring joy by sending aid to those who are missionaries and, uh, and those who are uh, out doing God's work uh, by visiting them, and sharing in their work, and, and aiding them financially. Uh, this week, actually, in Northern Ireland, we have a team of firefighters of Christ from America, Canada, Sweden, Germany, and uh, they, they're, here, they're here with their mission if they choose to, it's actually called Mission Possible. So their mission, if they choose to accept it, was to come to bring and to enhance the witness of the Christians at work. And they came along and they rode along in the, tr- the trucks with us and they, they uh, helped us put out some fires uh, and, you know, and ate with us and had good banter. And, and really, that was that was, their mission was actually I don't see them as the missionaries. I see them as a, a bunch of apaphroditis or Epaphrodite. I don't know what it's the best, the plural of, you know. You see, the vision of Firefighters for Christ is to encourage firefighters to live their lives for Jesus. Uh, and these guys came along and they aided that, that mission and they gave it a wee oomph. And that, that's what the Epaphroditus is doing for Paul. And that's all it takes, just to come alongside people in their mission, uh, encourage them, refresh them, uh, and trust me, that brings joy uh, to both parties, actually. And we've already seen that Epaphroditus was longing for his church family. That bond of love, the onlooking word sees, actually pulled his heart towards them. But I found it even more telling uh, of Epaphroditus' character that he was distressed because they heard he was ill. Uh, and it shows the love that Epaphroditus had for his church family that he longs for them. It shows it even more love that uh, it was, you know, that love, it, it isn't out self-interest that he longs for them. He, he wants to put their minds at ease because they let them know that he's well. And it, if that is an imitation of Jesus' uh, humility and counting others more significant than himself, then I don't know what is. You know, he holds their worries over his own, uh, even when the worries are about him. Uh, it says here in verse 26 that Epaphroditus was distressed and the logical conclusion that we can draw is that when he returns to Philippi and puts their minds at ease, he will no longer be distressed. He, he will have joy instead. And when we see these types of relationships in operation in the local church, we can rejoice that God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in lives. And the, the Philippians, as God, uh, uh, Paul says here, will rejoice at seeing Epaphroditus again. So that love, is, it is reciprocated. You know, There's a uh, reciprocal love, you know. And yet, Paul reminds him to receive him in the Lord with all joy. And the Greek for this receive here, uh, thank goodness for people who compile interlinear Greek online dictionaries. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a click of a button, it's brilliant. Um, but this, the, the, the Greek here is prostakami, if I'm pronouncing it right. And it means to admit into relationship, it means to admit into uh, communion or into hospitality. And it also, uh, uh, in its implication, it's a waiting for and looking for. And it, it, it's because, you know, if I read this just in the English and I say, receive, oh, I'll let him, you know, when he comes back from his wee mission trip, there, you just take him back. And, but actually, the nuances in the Greek show that they were to eagerly look for his return. And when he comes back, honour him by showing him Hospitality, and David has already told us of examples of hospitality in Lydia opening up her home and, and the jailer washing the wounds and, and opening up his home then. And if this Greek pros means to admit a person into hospitality, then opening our homes uh, to fellow believers, opening up our lives to allow people into our space. Uh, and it's, it's how we receive people in the Lord, sharing a meal, Given of your time, even just sharing a coffee, you know, and there are all practical ways we can do this. And these are the types of things that we're trying to do here incorporated in and they are part of our church life at Foundation. Um, one way is that we're talking about this week is the idea of a regular FFD, <laughs> as R- uh, Rachel coined the mnemonic: uh, our family fund day. Uh, uh, and I was, I was. Uh, let down as well, Jacob and Paul, it, it wasn't a free food day. <laughs> but uh, this is what it's all about, you know, sharing lives, gathering together, to have our faith bolstered, hearing the gospel here, but also sharing our lives, uh, and, and that encourages our faith too. And just to tie it all up, you know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, I think it's on the money, it says, What is the chief end of man? Man's chief aim is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. See, then God, God really wants us to have joy in our lives. And thankfully, through the good news of Jesus, we can enjoy Him forever. We can send that, that root, that tap root, deep down to anchor onto the truth that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are reconciled to God. It's amazing. And on top of that, God has given us these other tendrils that we've been looking at. And today we've been looking at this, these sort of side avenues of joy off the main tap remembering John 13 when Jesus said that by this all will people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another and we can do this by rejoicing in the testimony of other believers forming close bonds in gospel community and having genuine concern for brothers and sisters and it's our desire then that these people from outside looking in they will see the hope that we have and the joy that we share and they will come to know the Lord you know